Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are, wherever you are listening, that you are having a great start to your Thursday. And he is finally back. Jaron Jackson Jr. made his much-anticipated season debut last night, his first time playing in over eight months since his unfortunate knee injury in the bubble. And he absolutely looked productive as everything. He looked bigger, looked stronger, certainly seemed to, you know, have hit the nail on the head when he was out due to his rehab that he had felt that he was getting stronger, had put a bigger emphasis on getting bigger. It certainly showed last night. So a very encouraging debut for Jaron Jackson Jr. What was an overall positive night for the Grizzlies? Unfortunately, it was coupled with a pretty disappointing loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll get into looking at the game review in the first segment of today's show. In the second segment, we've seen a bit of a revelation as to what Coach Taylor Jenkins may be looking at when it comes to how the rotations may develop now that Jaron Jackson Jr. is back, as well as several key members of the Grizzlies are back now from injury. When Jonas comes back, what could some of these revelations mean for how a 10 or 11 player rotation may look like? And in the third segment, we'll do our weekly reset as far as the Western Conference playoff hunt goes and also the Grizzlies' upcoming schedule. Kind of see where the Grizzlies' success in April has brought them, but also the recent struggles late in games plus the recent streaks of good play by other teams has kind of made the Western Conference playoff picture still a bit too close to really have comfort. We'll discuss all that in the third segment. Of course, we want to remind you, you can find the show at Locked on Grizzlies or Locked on Grizzlies on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC. Find the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, the podcast app on your phone. Wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we will be. My name is Sean Coleman. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for about three years. For those that are new to the show, we cannot thank you enough for making us a part of your day. That's one of the reasons why I love doing this is because it gives me the opportunity to do things that I'm passionate about. Talk about the Grizzlies, talk about the NBA, but more than anything, interact with others that share those same passions. That's what makes this special to do each and every day. Speaking of that, I want to remind you of our title sponsor for the show, the Locker Room App. Changing the way we talk about sports tonight at 8 o'clock. Getting back on a regularly scheduled time frame, we'll be discussing all things Grizzlies. We have plenty to discuss on my Locked on Grizzlies weekly episode called Let's Talk Grizzness on the Locker Room app. Look forward to seeing you there. I'll obviously have a few tweets to remind you as well a bit later on this morning. But let's get right into it. So the Grizzlies last night, obviously, all day long, you had seen the excitement from John Moran especially getting back Jaron Jackson Jr. Obviously, his duo cornerstone when it comes to the future of this Grizzlies team. We did talk to Jaron earlier in April. He seemed healthy. He seemed ready to get back going. And he finally made his debut. Yes, it was much later in the season than anyone would have liked, probably. Anyone would have anticipated, but there are some positives that have come from the fact that the Grizzlies waited as long as they did because in a season, once again, where we've seen injuries occur more often, we've seen uh, you know, we've seen things outside of teams' control have a bigger impact than they usually do just because of the uniqueness of the season. The Grizzlies, I feel, in the end, and Jaron Jackson Jr. said himself last night, 
in the end, it was the right decision to be made to make sure everything was right and it felt right to bring Jaron Jackson Jr. back. And he came back, it played very well. Uh, within the first five minutes, of four minutes of action in the first quarter, Jaron Jackson had five points and a rebound, you know, right off the bat, including a three on the assist from John Morant. And then, you know, right back down, John Morant hit a three himself. The Grizzlies overall looked absolutely incredible in the first quarter, scoring 39 points, their second high highest point total of the season in the first quarter. So just a very encouraging start from Jaron Jackson Jr. And then also from there, obviously the Grizzlies were playing very well. The problem is, is that for the rest of the game, the Grizzlies versus a Clippers team that was without uh, Paul George and without Kawhi Leonard, as well as a few other key components, the Grizzlies then lost by 27 points over the final three quarters of, game, of the game. And it was very frustrating to watch. Now, part of the equation was that there were a lot of fouls. The Grizzlies committed 29 fouls last night. Whatever conclusion you want to draw, it was Jaron's first game back. I wouldn't read too much into it. However, I also can't blame you if, if you feel that, he, you know, obviously his presence did, you know, add to the fouls that were there. In 18 minutes of play, he had five fouls. Dylan got in foul trouble last night as well. Um, obviously, it was an uncharacteristic game for the Grizzlies overall. Only 19 assists for them on the game. 29 fouls. This is only the sixth time under Taylor Jenkins since the start of the 2019-20 season. This is only the sixth time the Grizzlies have had 29 or more fouls. It's actually very encouraging, but it was a very uncharacteristic night for the Grizzlies. But the problem is, is that the Grizzlies only scored 43 points in the second half of the game. They actually only scored 66 points for the final three quarters of the game. And they did not, they weren't passing the ball well. It seemed like the offense certainly was not there with the consistency that it needed. Yes, being without Jonas removed a big source of balance where the Grizzlies were shooting the three, but also could rely on Jonas to anchor the paint. That certainly was missing. But overall, especially with how well Jaron played, this Grizzlies team seemed like it certainly, you know, left a lot on the court. There certainly was a lot more opportunities to take advantage of that the Grizzlies just didn't have it. That's what Coach Jenkins says. They just didn't have it in the second half, and it made sense. Once the Clippers were able to score the free throws at the rate that they were, coupled with the fact that they made nine second-half threes versus four of our own, obviously it, the writing was on the wall. The Grizzlies just did not have a way with how out of sync the offense looked to get back into the game, and so the end result was a pretty disappointing loss, 117-105. to 105. Now, John Morant, Obviously, in the second half of the game, there were struggles. But in the first half, a highly, highly encouraging first half from him. 15 points, three threes, only the second time in his career that he has had 15 or more points in three or more threes and a half. And a big development is this is the fifth straight game in which a Grizzlies player has had that level of production, at least 15 points in three threes and a half. The reason why that's encouraging is because when the Grizzlies have had a player do that in a half, that means that their offense is performing very well. That's what you want as far as playing against these better teams is for a different player to step up to have a reliable scoring night to give at least some type of consistency when it came to the offense. So a good night from Jaw overall, though unfortunately it was really only for one half. Obviously, the 
Counterpart to that was that overall, the rest of the Grizzlies starters struggled. Xavier Tillman did have eight points and 12 assists, but Grayson Allen only four shots last night. Someone who arguably had been the second biggest reason why this Grizzlies offense had been going so well, only four shots for Grayson Allen. As a matter of fact, between him and Desmond Bain, they had only six total three-point attempts last night. Compared to that, that's less than half of the 13 or 14 shots they regularly got. DeAnthony Melton himself also had only four three-pointers and seven shots overall. So the Grizzlies' regular ability to shoot the three, their regular ability to get their best shooters threes, only 10 combined shot attempts last night when the, the that trio, when they played together so far in April, had been averaging close to 23-point shots a night. The Clippers did a good job defending it, but the Grizzlies seemed to get away a bit from what had been successful for them. And overall, they were 13 of 30 from three, but only getting 10 shots for that trio also was a reason why the offense kind of sputtered at times as well. Obviously, Brandon Clark, you know, got back to being a bit healthy. Six points in 20 minutes for him. It was the big thing from that is the 20 points that he played. But getting back to Jaron Jackson Jr., again, the five fouls were a bit concerning, but the big development for him was a few things. Number one, he had mentioned again that his strength was one of the biggest things that he had worked on while he had been off due to rehabbing his injury. And he certainly looked stronger last night. Did look a bit taller, but he played DeMarcus Cousins well, though he did foul him. He stood up against DeMarcus Cousins. He showed an inside presence on defense. Four blocks for Jaron, but also two huge putbacks in which he he looked like a competent big man rebounder. His rebounding prowess certainly seemed to be more advanced than it had been previously. There seemed to be a bigger concentration on the fundamental needs to be able to be a key rebounder for this team, and it showed on his two putbacks. And he also had a bit of a historical night. In 18 minutes, Jerry Jackson Jr. had 15 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 blocks. This is only the fifth time in NBA history in which a player in 18 minutes or less had that level of production when it came to a big man. That's how impressive Jaron's performance was last night. So yeah, the shot is going to take time to come back. Yes, you obviously want the fouling to be limited, but it was really awesome to see such a good indicator that Jaron's ability to rebound has certainly advanced since he's been off. That shows that even though he has been off, there still has been development and needed areas for him to take that next step as a pro. So overall, great to have Jaron Jackson Jr. back, but Steal a pretty inexplicable loss for this Grizzlies team. And you know, just to be honest, there's not as much room now, since we're less than a month away from the end of the season, there's not as much room for error to have these type of losses happen. And, you know, it's it's fine that it happened. The Grizzlies just need to find a way to get an unexpected win to overcome it, but they really do need to take advantage, especially in early May, when they're going to be playing some games where they should be favored. They've got to take advantage of having a good streak of wins there with how close the Western Conference race is becoming due to the hot play of other teams. But before we get to talking about the Western Conference, we should probably focus on what Jaron's return means for the Grizzlies' rotation, and we've gotten some indications. Coach Taylor Jenkins has played his hand a bit of what he's looking at when it comes to this rotation. Coming up, coming off the discussion that I had with Joe Molinax yesterday, going to look more specifically at a few key players who's who, who the return of Jaron could highly impact, not only in terms of their minutes, but in terms of their overall roles in the rotation going forward. Don't let the stress of everyday life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive 
therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically collaborated combo of depth, power, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're whole Holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app earns from your behavior, learns from your behaviors, and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me, legitimately. My wife and I got a Theragun about two months ago, and I can tell you this, it certainly does the trick. It is In a short amount of time, it really does make you feel better and take away stress that you add up during the day. Try Theragun for 30 days. And starting at only $199. Go to Theragun.com slash right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Go to Theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's Theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. Excited to say that coming up on tomorrow's episode, we will welcome back former Locked On Grizzlies hosts and one of my favorite guests and good friend of mine, Mark King, will be joining us for the show. We'll catch up with Mark, see how he's been doing, see how he's enjoying the Grizzlies play, and get his perspective on what is going to be a very important transition time for this team now with Jaron Jackson Jr. back. So Mark King will be with us on tomorrow's episode. Well, obviously it is a big transition time because it's it's great to have Jaron Jackson Jr. back. And it'll be even more wonderful when Jonas Valanciunas is back from his concussion protocol. At the end of the day, this Grizzlies team being 11 or 12 reasonable players to play deep is a great problem to have. The depth shines through on a consistent basis, and it's going to continue to shine through as players need to be rested. You're probably going to run into more players with soreness or who that need to sit out, so that depth is obviously wonderful. But at the end of the day, you're likely not going to be at your best when you're playing 12 players. And that is something that Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff have been talking about. They've been discussing, now that Jaron is back, what is the rotation best at when it comes to playing 10, potentially 11 players? Now, I know there's been a lot of debate over who may be out of the rotation, so on and so forth. And it makes sense. There should be a debate because there are things that are needed to change. You're going to eventually, at some point, you're only able to give so many minutes during the game. At the end of the day, if you have a little 11 or 12 players to play, you only have five players on the court at the same time. At some point, some players have to be preferred over others in order to be able to get this Grizzlies team to play at the best of its ability as consistently as possible. So instead of focusing on the players that should be preferred, what should be preferred as far as what the Grizzlies' strengths need to be. And I don't mean to be a broken record, but in my opinion, the strengths that need to remain in place are shooting and defending the three. And for that reason, I think that shooting and defense are the two main things that come into play when this Grizzlies team looks at who should get the minutes preferences and things like that moving forward. And I think that that also aligns with what Taylor Jenkins is looking at. 
In March, we were a very good defensive team. In April, we're a very good offensive team. Now that we've gotten players back healthy, the goal is is to find a balance that can allow for us not to be a top five defense and top five offense, but to perhaps be above average at both things since we know that we can be with how we played in March and April. And when it comes down to that, I feel that we're starting to get some indications of how Coach Jenkins wants to work that out. Obviously, for one thing, you've seen Tyus Jones see his minutes significantly reduced over the past two games. He set out the he only played eight minutes against Denver, set out the entire second half, and only played ten total minutes against the Clippers. And last night, Justice Winslow actually subbed in first as the backup point guard. When it comes to Winslow and Tyus Jones, I think that's where one of the matchups are. I think that in between those two, you're going to see one of those two players be the ones whose minutes are going to be reduced. And at the end of the day, the reason why is this. They both have not been good on offense. They have clearly not been good on offense this year, and the Grizzlies need as many offensive pieces as they can get. So it so it's understandable why a roster decision of who to prefer between those two that it comes down to those two. But the reason why I think you're seeing Justice start to get some point guard minutes over Tyus is because we know that neither are shooting well. We obviously know what we have with Tyus' playmaking ability and his steady guidance leading our second unit. It's very important. I've talked about that on numerous occasions. But right now, I feel that a top 10 defense is more important than a league-leading bench. And for that reason, I think that the team rightfully is prioritizing Justice's ability as a playmaker and defender over the value added from Tyus being an efficient playmaker. Because let's be honest, Tyus doesn't offer a lot of value outside of that unless he's shooting. He just doesn't offer a lot of defensive value. And the thing about it is, is that for the one stretch of the year, from February 20th through March 27th, for the one stretch of the year where we had both Justice Winslow and DeAnthony Melton consistently getting 20 minutes a night, we play, We were we were fourth in defensive rating. The key is, is that if you can play both those guys in different combinations or however you want to, 15 to 20 minutes a night, and still be able to feature Bain, Grayson Allen, and Melton getting 15 threes a game, that's the way that you get the two-way balance that you need for this team. So when it comes to looking at kind of how the coaching staff has prioritized getting more looks for Justice Winslow and DeAnthony Melton at point guard over Tyus Jones, it's letting me know that they're prioritizing the defense that is there with Melton and uh, Justice Winslow in the mix, because with both of them in the mix, there's a very good chance that not only will we a top 10 defense, we're pushing as a top 5 defense in the league, and that's where we're elite. We're going to have to have some type of elite quality moving forward during this playoff run. The best chance at that for us is our defense, and with Melton and Justice getting 15 to 20 minutes a night in different rotations, that's how we achieve that. That's why I think that you're seeing some indications that Tyus Jones may be one of the players whose minutes are reduced as we limit our rotation to 11 or 10 players. The other person that I think is in that mix is certainly Xavier Tillman, who has been playing very well. But I think when it comes to Tyus and Tillman, you're still going to see them get plenty of minutes. A lot of they're probably still going to average 12 to 15 minutes each over the rest of the season because you're going to see other players sit 
rest, what have you. But the reason why I think that Melton's minutes may be reduced a bit is because now, obviously, with Jaron back, I just don't know if if Tillman offers the upside in any one area that you get between um, Brandon Clark, Jonas Valanciunas, and Jaron Jackson Jr., and also when you consider that Justice Winslow and um, Kyle Anderson may be playing more of the four as well. With Justice back, you've got great two-way ability. Jonas Valanciunas is far too valuable to reduce his minutes with the balance that he's bringing to the offense. While Tillman has certainly played well, I do think that Brandon Clark offers a bit more defensive upside and in transition, which is going to be critical for the Grizzlies, you know, in, you know, in the final minutes. There's a reason why when they've had the lead, the Grizzlies have experienced or have experimented with BC at the five and either Kyle or Justice at the four to really be able to have a strong defense to be, hold leads. So for that reason, I think that Xavier Tillman may kind of be, you know, lower on the totem pole right now due to the fact that you have more defensive upside with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark at the moment, plus obviously with how well just or uh, Jonas is playing offensively. So and, and at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I think that defense, what combinate, what rotations are going to offer the most defensive upside are probably what's going to win out when we see what players are preferred over others in certain situations. Because while you have the defense there, you're also going to need to keep featuring Melton, Allen, and Bain 15 times or so a game from three with Jaron involved, hopefully 20 times, 23s a night from that um, you know quartet of players. If the Grizzlies can do that, Get 18 to 23s from Jaron Bain, Grayson, and Melton each night, plus find the balance of being able to play Melton and Justice in the rotations defensively. I think that that's the best way you're going to find the two way balance that this team needs to consistently have to play the better teams as it gets going through the playoff run and hopefully reaching its goal of making the playoffs. So at the end of the day, I still think that you know there are going to be 12 players who are still going to find themselves possibly averaging near or over 10 minutes a night a game because you're going to have other players resting. You're going to have, you know, you may even have some starters. Jaron's still going to sit some nights. You're probably going to see uh, Brandon Clark. You're going to see others sit some nights, especially in early May, so that they can rest up due to how much that they played, but also keeping fresh for the playoff run. So everybody's still going to have the chance to play. But I do think that as of right now, it's starting to seem to make sense that the team is looking at how to give minutes to other players and that the two players who could see their roles reduced a bit are Xavier Tillman and Tyus Jones. And it makes sense due to the fact that Tyus has struggled shooting and there's not a lot of value that he adds outside of his playmaking right now. And the fact that it's just, it's basically just because of numbers, just because there are so many other players who offer more benefit on one end of the court or the other when it comes to the front court that for Xavier Tillman, and we've already seen Xavier Tillman kind of take a step back when it came to his rotation minutes earlier this season. I think that that happens once again. But again, it's a great problem to have. It will eventually figure itself out, and obviously Coach Jenkins has shown the wherewithal to be able to figure it out for it to benefit the Grizzlies. It certainly is something that needs to be figured out soon. Because coming up on Friday night, the Grizzlies are going to be start, starting another stretch, a very important stretch as they head into May, that will really help determine what things look like before they get to that final week of the season where they have critical game after critical game in terms of their playoff pursuits. Coming up, I'll kind of reset where the Western Conference is as of right now and why this next stretch of games, including three games in four, or three out of our next four games against Portland, is so important for the Grizzlies to find some success during.
Obviously, each of us have our different reasons for enjoying and betting on sports. Well, the thing I can tell you is this. If wagering and we have our reasons for being fans, but if wagering and betting on sports is one of the reasons why you enjoy being a fan, I've got the one place that has you covered. That's betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Regardless of what it is, the playoff run in the NBA and the NHL, baseball getting started, college baseball going on, UFC, soccer around the world, whatever sport you choose to enjoy and the athletes that you love, if wagering and betting is a part of it, BetOnline has you covered. It even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code LOCKEDON on your first deposit. That's the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your, on, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. So obviously the spring is here. Many of us are out and about getting around traveling. Just me and my wife just uh, were able to go to the beach for a week, and it was great to get away. But the thing about it is this, is that if you've been going through some of the crazy weather many of us across the country have been going through here recently, your car may wind up needing repairs. And if that's the case, they've got the one place that has you covered, and that's rockauto.com for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you should be able to find what you need when you need it, regardless of the make and model and regardless of the part. No matter your experience, if you do your own repairs, have others do your repairs, or you do repairs for others in time, rockauto.com is very economically feasible. Family-owned business, been around for over 20 years. They know that car parts typically fall into budget, so they try to keep things as cheap as possible. Visit rockauto.com today and let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockhanfora, and Brian Baldringer. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that meet that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Make sure to check out the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, and all of your favorite Locked On Podcast Network shows on the Odyssey app. Once again, I want to remind our listeners that tomorrow, Mark King will be with us, and we're excited to bring him back, excited to get his take on how things are going, obviously with the Grizzlies playoff run, one of my favorite guests, good friend of mine, always love talking Grizzlies and sports with Mark. He will obviously be with us tomorrow and excited to welcome him back to the show. So here we go. We're now less than a month away, and the Grizzlies right now stand at 29 and 28. They've played 57 games this year, and the other big development, from this is that they actually are, are caught up with a lot of the other teams in the NBA. Yes, others, some like the Warriors, for instance, and others have played 58 or 59 games, but the Grizzlies are right there with them. They still have a very tough schedule ahead in terms of the amount of games that they are playing, but the Grizzlies have basically caught up. They're, there's not this three or four game you know, amount that they have to make up with these other teams. So the Grizzlies obviously have played very well in April, but there have been, especially with last night's loss, you're starting to see that there is been a bit of missed opportunity when it comes to the Grizzlies. It would have been nice if maybe that Knicks game would have worked out into a win. Obviously, winning last night's game, the Nuggets game would have worked into a win. I get it. We've been playing very well. We're a very young team. This is part of the growing process. But for a team that clearly has the desire to make the playoffs, it certainly seems like that there's been some opportunities that have been left on the table. 
That brings both positive and negative news when it comes to the current Western Conference standings. The positive news is that right now, the Grizzlies still still stand in the 8th spot in the West. And because of that, they're now still 4.5 games up on having a play-in spot. Right now, they're 4.5 games above the Pelicans in terms of a play-in spot. That's the good thing. That means that at the end of the day, it's very, very likely this Grizzlies team does have a potential playoff chance in its future. That's the goal that this team had to set out the season. But obviously, the Grizzlies want to be in a position to where they can at the at the very least have the opportunity to where they have to be beaten twice in a playing game in order for the other team to make the playoffs. Where we stand right now is that when it comes to the bottom half of the Western Conference playoffs, the uh, the uh, Portland Trailblazers are at 32 and 26. The Dallas Mavericks are at 31 and 26. So they're separated by half a game in the Western Conference playoffs. In the eighth spot, the Grizzlies are 29 and 28. They right now are two and a half games out of the sixth spot, and they're also two games out of the seventh spot. So that prayer from Luka and these few games that we've lost due to free throws, the Grizzlies could very well be looking at a fight for the sixth spot if a few of those games had gone their way. They didn't. It's unfortunate. It happens. So you move on. But those spots are still relatively within, you know, the reason. You know, the Grizzlies just get an, you know, an unexpected hot streak going on, especially with some of the games that they have coming up. They still could make ground. The sixth spot is not out of the equation, though it's unlikely. But as I mentioned last week, the bigger thing is focusing on the teams that are behind the Grizzlies so that the Grizzlies don't fall into a less than favorable ninth or tenth spot. And things are still heated there. The Grizzlies are two and a half games out of the sixth spot. They're two games out of the seventh spot. But the Warriors and Spurs are both tied for the ninth and tenth spot, and they're a game behind the Grizzlies right now. And of course, as we mentioned, the Spurs have been playing relatively well as of late. And obviously, with Steph Curry's run, though he was a bit off last night, with Steph Curry's recent play, the Warriors are obviously a threat nobody wants to deal with right now. So this bottom of the Western Conference playoff run right now certainly is congested, and it's it's much closer than I feel like many of us would have liked. There could have been certainly been a different scenario where this Grizzlies team could be pushing for that sixth spot. But with that being said, No matter how what already has occurred has occurred, the Grizzlies still have their chances. Because in three out of the next four games, the Grizzlies are playing the Portland Trailblazers. Yes, those same Portland Trailblazers who the last time we went to Portland, we didn't get to play, or the last two times we tried to go to Portland, we didn't get to play due to COVID. March 11th of 2020, and then earlier this year, we were supposed to go to Portland to to play them in Oregon, it didn't work out both times because of COVID restrictions. Hopefully this time there shouldn't be any issue. But the big thing is, is that the Grizzlies go and they play Portland on Friday night, play them again on Sunday, turn around and travel to face the Nuggets um, uh, once again um, in Denver on Monday, and then on Wednesday they come back home and face the Trailblazers once again. So three, so each of the four games, including three of which will be against Portland, are against the fifth and sixth team, or fifth and sixth teams in the Western Conference. The Grizzlies need to at least get a win, and I think they will. I think that they'll at least get a win. If the Grizzlies can split these two games and go two and two, that'll be an absolutely phenomenal development for this Grizzlies team. That'll be a great thing for them to do because it will allow for them to do is likely at the very least maintain their current spot 
in the standings when it comes to staying in place for that eighth spot. And if they were to go better than two and two over this stretch, well, then obviously we get to starting and talking about could they make a run for seven or could they make a run for six. It's going to be hard with how easy Dallas's schedule in and with Dallas having won that um, you know game earlier this month. Like I say, I don't think that these six or seven spots are very likely. But if the Grizzlies go through this stretch of the next four games, three and one or maybe four and zero, oh, that really puts them in the conversation. But at the very least, a five hundred record for this stretch of games will be quite the development. And the big reason why is because if the Grizzlies go two and two, that likely means that in at least one of these games, they did an upset. They were able to get an upset win, which cancels out last night's disappointing loss. And if the Grizzlies can maintain a winning record going into the final game of April and the first few games of May, look at their schedule once they get past this four-game stretch, three with Portland and, you know, a game with Denver. On April 30th, they have a matchup against the Magic on back-to-back nights, both Friday, April 30th, and Saturday, uh, May 1st. Then they have the Knicks coming to Memphis, which the Grizzlies should be favored in. The two, They go to Minnesota, which the Grizzlies should be favored in. They play the Pistons, they should be favored in. And they play the Raptors before they wind up facing the Pelicans on May 10th. So from April 30th through May 8th, the Grizzlies have seven straight games. They play the Trailblazers three times and the Nuggets once over their next four games. If the Grizzlies can split those that, that, that four games, they will then have seven games in which they are logically considered, which they should logically be favored before they face the Pelicans on May 10th and wrap up the season with critical games against other opponents that are looking to make the Western Conference playoffs. So if the Grizzlies can split these next four games, I think that'll be a big development. If they do that, you wipe away all the negative that's occurred from some of the close losses that we've had in last night's game against the Clippers, and you completely focus on having a healthy team full of depth going through a stretch of games, seven games to start May, in which the Grizzlies should be favored in each of those games. And then if you can go two and two through this stretch, then maybe five and two through that stretch, you really start to see the Grizzlies positioning themselves into a favorable playoff position. But it starts with the first game, and that's what we're going to focus on tomorrow, obviously. We'll do a nitty-gritty grind session on Portland, obviously talk with Mark about it. But if the Grizzlies can at least get this win, if they can at least get through this weekend with the win, that's going to be a big step forward. I think it's very likely they will. And if the Grizzlies can manage to go through these next four games with the split, I think that they're in a really favorable position to make that needed playoff boost run going into the first part of May with a bit lighter part of the schedule. So obviously plenty of great things to talk about. Wonderful to see Jaron Jackson Jr. back. He was in great spirits. He loved being back last night. He was wonderful to hear his comments and just see where his attitude was after a, such a long layoff. It clearly shows that him and team are on the same page and overall this certainly has worked out for the best hopefully since it's worked out the best for Jaron it'll continue to work out the best for the Grizzlies they'll continue to get some wins that they need and be in a good position for the playoffs again you can find the show at Locked on Grizz myself at Stats SAC the podcast wherever it's available Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts let us know what you think of the show listen, review, subscribe let us know we always want to make sure we provide content that is relevant to our listeners preferences until tomorrow again nitty gritty grind session on the uh, Trailblazers. Plus, we'll talk with Mark King about the Grizzly season to this point and going forward. Looking forward to all of that and looking forward to talking to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.